Uh, let's pray together. Father, I think the best thing I can do today is just try to get out of the way and to uh, <clears throat> let us survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. But he didn't stay there. Um, he walked out of that tomb, and in doing so, you made a way for all of us to follow in your footsteps. And so for some people that have walked into this place today, um, maybe not even knowing why they're here, maybe they're just doing the Easter Sunday thing to pacify someone in their, in their family, or God, I pray it'd be so much more than that. Let us see you for who you are. Let us be reminded that life is possible because of you and only because of you. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And <clears throat> I really don't, this is kind of like the last couple of times I've, I've preached, I've just felt like the Word needs to say what the Word's going to say, and I'm going to say as little as possible and get out of the way. Okay, and so um, this might be maybe not as short as the last time I preached, but it, it'll, it'll be pretty close. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start, we're going to read the first 26 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is Apostle Paul. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I, de I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. We'll stop right there. I want to start this morning by, by making sure that we make the main thing the main thing. Um, if you've been in church any time at all, you realize how confusing faith things can be. How, how, how we can forget to make much of Jesus, which is what my shirt says in like six different languages. And we can start making much of other things. Paul says, let's... Keep the main thing, the main thing, first importance, he says. For I deliver to you as a first importance that what I received. What was it? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That God wasn't making this thing up as He went. He foretold it. Christ came and paid a price for you and for me because you and I deserve to die. Happy Easter! Every one of you deserves a death sentence. Jesus knew that, and He came and He took that sentence for us. He died for our sins. He was buried, but the story didn't end there. 
He rose up from that grave. And then he appeared to a lot of different people. He appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the, the 12. Then to 500 people at the same time. Why do you think he had to appear so many times? It's because you and I have a hard time believing it, don't we? How many of you in your life have a context for resurrection? Apart from Jesus, the story of Christ, I mean, how many of you have seen things in your life that were dead, except for Mike Hamlin, come back to life? You, we, we just don't have a context. It doesn't happen very much, does it? And we hear about it. Resurrection is a word that should shake us to our core. But it's a church word that we hear a lot, but we don't experience the way that we should. So this morning, what I'm hoping to do is to contend for the reality of resurrection. The reality of it. Not, not some concept, conceptual thing, but the reality of a dead body coming back to life. Brock told you last week that we were finishing our series called Evidence of Grace. For the last like eight weeks, ten weeks, we've been just looking around for the fingerprint of God in different places. And, and we said we were going to end that last week, but as I read this passage, did you hear what Paul said? It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Some of you need to hear that today. It's by the grace of God that you are who you are and how you are and warts and all, shame and all, guilt and all. It's only by God's grace. None of us can come before Him today pretending we deserve to be here. Do you know that? I'm probably the least likely person to stand up in front of you today and try to speak. I, t I tell Brock this every year when it comes to, to Easter sermons and, and Christmas sermons. They're my least favorite. It's because it feels like everything that needs to be said has already been said by someone that said it better than I could ever say it. But here I am today contending for the resurrection of God. The resurrection of a dead body. Jesus come back to life. Why? Because without it, we're all hopeless. And it's only by the grace of God that we are what we are. Some of you need to hear that today. That you are not just the sum total of your worst decisions. God wants me to read from another page. So I'm just going to go with it. Let's see where this goes. All right. Let's continue reading in verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then even, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Are you getting this so far? Like if Jesus didn't literally rise from the grave, come back to life, then everything we're talking about is useless. You have no faith. You should leave now. Go do something else. But if he was raised, it changes everything. Verse 15, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 17, 
And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. I love it when there's a big butt in the scripture. There's, there's, there's another one of those big old butts right here. Verse 20. But, but, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's really good news, people. Do you know how good that really is? That one day death, was in, it's not going to have the last word anymore. Um, but it all hinges on the resurrection of Christ. Because if Christ is not raised, then you and I are to be pitied above, above all people. I mean, the world should make fun of us, should pity us, if Christ has not been raised. But Paul says, but in fact, he has been raised and it changes everything. Not because just he was raised, because he's the first fruit. He's, he's the one that paved the way for you and I to walk out of our own graves. Some of my least favorite days are funerals. Even, even the best funerals are just funerals, you know? Yeah, we, we call them celebrations of life, if the life was worth celebrating. But it's still, it's, it's still hard to say bye, isn't it? It's still hard to lose someone that you love, to realize that something that was once alive is, is no longer alive. You know, Jesus really didn't do funerals very well. When he showed up to a funeral, it became a party. Like in Luke chapter 7, he shows up to a funeral, a widow's son, she lost her only son, and Jesus had compassion, and he breathed life back into this guy to foretell what he was going to do later. He, in John chapter 11, we read the story of Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends, had been, had been dead for a while, and Jesus called him out of the grave. See, when Jesus shows up, funerals aren't final. Death doesn't get the last story. I had the, I had the privilege of, uh, and I, it was a privilege, I had the privilege of being my, with my father um, the last night of his life. Uh, a lot of you might know the story. My, my dad had throat cancer for 14 years. And the last four years were just awful. And so um, for the last couple of months of his life, I, I lived, I, I went and helped my mom and I had the chance to, to be in the room with him the night that he passed. And as sacred 
as that was, turning around and walking out of that room, realizing that the father that I had, I had no more. It's, it's one of the emptiest feelings in the world. And you, you felt this. All of you have experienced loss in some way. Um, it, could be, it could be a father, a parent, a child. Gosh, it could be a pet. Okay, I'm a dog person. Are there other dog people here? Are there cat people here? Can we separate you guys and get the cat people? The dog? Ah, I don't know. Let me think on, let me think on that one. See, we, my family, we're dog people. We've, we've always been dog people. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your minds for just a second. Guess how many days I've been married? Come on. 33 years almost. How many days is that? 11,985 days of marital bliss between me and my beloved bride. Almost 33 years. We have never lived one day of that without having a dog. We, we had a dog premaritally. <laughs> we had a puppy out of wedlock. I'm sorry. Cassie the Basset Hound had that dog for 14 years. That dog slept between us. It's the reason we didn't have children for five years. Loved that dog. Then we got Shasta. Shasta was a Shetland sheepdog. She was a Frisbee dog. I could throw a Frisbee to that building and she would have caught it and brought it back. Loved, loved this dog. These all overlapped. Then we had Gracie. This was Tennessee time. We get, we get to Tennessee and we get Gracie, our golden retriever. We breed her and have 10 more golden retrievers, and we keep the one that had brain damage. I delivered 10 puppies in a little bathtub in our bedroom. I fell asleep before the 10th one came out, didn't know it was there. That dog stayed in its little sack for hours. We thought it was dead. We kept him. Yeah, he, he, it wasn't good. He was kind, but he was not smart. Why am I telling you this? We tried cats. We had one called Toby. He lasted about a week. He would attack you in, in your sleep. He was awful. We had fish. Just flush them. Couldn't keep a fish alive. Hermit crabs, we even tried those. Painted the little shell. They're not fun to play with, but dogs. Dog and God are very similar if you look at the English word. Just say it. These, these animals, these little animals live in our house and they sit on our furniture and they eat our food and they grab our hearts. If you're, if, if you're a pet lover, you know what I'm talking about. We have two more dogs now. The four I just told you about, none of them died of natural causes. I murdered every one of them. It's like the, we kept them for 10, 12, 15 years, and eventually they got so old, there was no hope left, and they were just suffering. And so I had to, t I had to make that drive. You know the drive I'm talking about. Awful. One of the worst days of my life is when I had to put Gracie, our, our golden retriever. Now, Andy Coleman can, can tell you this. I mean, I was undone. They brought, people brought gifts to my house because they thought I would never recover that day. 
There is something about holding something that you love and then feeling the life go out of it and then laying it down and walking away. Because of Jesus, that hopelessness is not the end of the story for us. Because of resurrection power, see, Jesus, that shot that they give you, that they give the dog, the resurrection is like the unshot. That the resurrection is like the antidote. The resurrection is what breathes life back into dead things. And it's not because you deserve it. It's because God is that good. Because Jesus came to die for your sins. To, 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 to take the death that you deserve. And that is the hope of the resurrection. That is why we celebrate this. If it's not true, then all of this is useless. It all hinges on the fact that Jesus is one, exactly who He said He was. Two, that He did exactly what He said He was going to do. And three, that He's powerful enough to bring us with Him into eternity. That is the hope of Easter, people. The reality of resurrection. It's something that we don't experience in this life. It takes faith. It takes you believing this before you can see it. See, I've, I've, I mean, the closest thing I ever saw to somebody coming back to life was, was literally that guy right there. I mean, Mike Hamlin, last, last summer, he cardiac arrest, falls dead. They shock you 7, 10, 47 times. It's just going to keep growing. And he came back. It's the closest thing I've seen, but we don't have context. And when we don't have context, sometimes we miss the importance. Resurrection matters. It's not just a church word. And without it, we don't have hope. The reality of the resurrection is going to put death to death one day. The last enemy to be defeated will be death itself. Guys, there is coming a day when you're not going to have to say goodbye to people you love anymore. There's going to, become, there's, there's going to come a day when there's no more tears. No more pain. No more cancer. No more sickness. No more divorce. No more child abuse. No more orphans. And it's all because of the resurrection. Guys, don't let yourself get over it. That's what Easter is about. One more thing and I'm done. We're going to read the last like eight verses of this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because I want you to know how the story ends. For all of you who are in Christ, you, you, a lot of times you only hear these verses at funerals. This, these aren't funeral, ver funeral verses, okay? Mystery and victory is what it's called, the caption in my Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to how Paul ends this charge. Therefore, Because of everything I just said, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Church, the world needs us to be steadfast. It needs us to be immovable. It needs us to stand boldly in the face of people that don't agree with us and love them with the love of Jesus. It doesn't need the church to take political stances and to to draw lines in the sand and try to divide people. It needs us to be steadfast and immovable because of the resurrection. The resurrection is enough to last all of us for all eternity. Pray with me. Father, my prayer is that that you would, you would breathe some life into some people that desperately need some spiritual, um, a spiritual pulse. There might be some people in this place today that gave up on themselves a long time ago and they need to know that you haven't given up on them. There might be some people in this place that don't really believe that you're big enough, that you're strong enough, that you can do what you say that you can do. Father, blow our minds. God, for those who don't have faith enough for themselves, may some people come around them and have faith for them. Breathe resurrection power into this place. If I read your Bible right, I think it says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Help us get in touch with that to buy into that, to believe it. May it change our, our today, our tomorrow, our eternity. You came to give us life, life to the full. I pray nothing less than that for every person here. Let's worship in response to the Lord.